0: On this episode of PI Perspectives, Matt is joined by Amber Schroeder, the President and CEO of Paraben Corporation from Virginia. Amber visits with Matt at the 2019 Osmosis Conference in Orlando, Florida to discuss cell phone forensics and the internet of things. Amber also discusses her latest article in the PI Magazine social media issue. Paraben Corporation is the leading cell phone forensics provider in the industry. And Amber covers the latest research techniques she discussed as a pre-conference speaker at Osmosis. This episode is brought to you by Satellite Investigations in New York City. Satellite Investigations is the leading investigation firm in New York City since 2005. You can find links to Parabit and satellite investigations in this episode's description. Let's tune in and check out the latest perspective with our next guest, Amber Schroeder. Now here's our host, private investigator Matt Spare.
1: And welcome to another episode of PI Perspectives. I am Matt Spare. I'm your host. I am coming to you from beautiful Orlando, Florida. We're here for the uh, Osmosis 2019 conference. I am honored to have the privilege to introduce to you Amber Schroeder from Paraben. She was actually one of the pre-conference teachers yesterday and congratulations on a standing room only. Uh, <laughs> I got there a little bit late and I had to go to the other track. So oh. um, you're definitely sold out. I think it was, the seating was 150 max there. So folks got about four hours of training yesterday and that was awesome. So Welcome to the program.
2: Thank you very much.
1: Um, so Paraben, tell me a little bit about the business and, and what it
2: does. So Paraben is a digital forensic technology provider. So typically we design the technology that investigators will use to capture data off of anything digital. Okay. And it truly is anything digital now from IOT devices like fitness devices, all the way through to computers, smartphones. That's what the session yesterday was for the okay. lab. So, so, so
1: IoT, we're gonna, mm-hmm. we're gonna dumb it down for- Oh <laughs> yeah, so, so
2: internet of things. Internet of things. What it's, is the internet of things? I think the easiest way for everyone to kind of think of it, it's all those times you ask Alexa for help. That's where you're really even your digital fingerprint is Alexa is then taking it over for you. Right. So your uh, smart TVs, pretty much everyone has one. I don't think there's a dumb TV anymore. I think they're all smart. They've gone and get educated.
1: That's a confession
2: to make. Do you have a dumb TV? I have a dumb TV. What? Yes. Holy crap. That I means you have a huge like CRT TV. <laughs> don't, uh, don't tell me. <laughs> Most people have the smart TVs and um, because of it, they're kind of always listening as well. So people are spreading out their digital fingerprint over a lot more devices than they used to.
1: Okay. And you've been doing it for about 20 years, you said?
2: Right? Yeah. Yeah. Paraben's been around for 20 years.
1: How ha- have you seen your business um, change over the years to kind of, I guess, stay? Um, with your ear to the ground on what's going on? Like, how do you stay on top of that stuff?
2: It's, it's very hard. Um, sometimes my kids actually school me because they're part of a generation that's always been connected to the internet. And I'm in the generation that actually remembers when the internet came online and thought that was super cool.
1: It was great, right? <laughs> yeah. And it was like,
2: holy crap. And then they got AOL and CompuServe and you had this serious moment. They are like, oh my gosh, the internet just got a GUI. This is
1: so exciting. I I think we need to thank Al Gore, right?
2: (laughs) There you go. It's like, oh, it's all your fault. But now it's uh, part of it is staying current and part of it is also participating. Um, uh, Yesterday, one of the topics I was talking about in the lab is uh, social media apps and how they're evolving and what they change because most people access social media from their devices. But I'm always surprised when I give a presentation how few of the participants are participating in social media. Right. I said, how can you investigate something you don't participate in and I'm right. not saying hey you know oh I have to commit murder to investigate a murder but you can't understand the data until you generate it yourself
1: right now that's a good point and uh, you had a great article in PI magazine oh, um, thank you
2: also on social media also yeah. on
1: social media and I think you, you covered that on Facebook like the different ways to go about and pull pull the data there were uh, three uh, topics I think you talked mm-hmm. about on how to do that can you cover that
2: quickly? yeah so I talked about what you can get from the app itself and then what you can get from the cloud, because most of the apps are now also communicating to the cloud. And the easiest way for everyone to think about the cloud is it's really just someone else's computer. Right. So it's not a computer you're going to be able to go and walk to and see in the vicinity, but it is a computer somewhere. You can't hit the reset button. No, there's no <laughs> reset button. and No, you're never going to get access to it. Right. And then the last one was actually um, what you can get from compliance information. Mm-hmm. So as the world is starting to put more and more legal regulations, and in particular Europe, Europe, it's making a big opening for new open source data for the rest of us right. uh, because most of the companies the tech companies are based in the US they still have to be compliant with European laws
1: right right so let's talk a little bit I'm, I'm going to turn the page a little bit but we'll come back to this yeah sure just because I, I remember last year uh, at Osmosis hearing you talk and I was just fascinated by the whole smartwatch thing mm-hmm. and how they had the ability to see if you were exercising, when you were exercising, and also like how fast you were going. Like if you're driving in a car, yeah, um, yeah, they have the ability to actually do that. And that, to me, that's a game changer. On it's, a,
2: it's a huge one. I actually yeah. have a, a very personal example. So um, last October, um, I was in a car accident and I was unconscious when um, wow. I was in the accident. I went through the guardrails. Um And of course, the trooper comes and it was up in Virginia and he's like, so what happened? And I said, I don't know. And it's very disturbing for someone who specializes in information to not know. Yeah. It was like, it was very... um it's, like the, to me. it's yeah. like the
1: Facebook people not not uh, using their own
2: Facebook. Yes, it's stuff, like, yes. This, this doesn't work for me. <laughs> very and, disturbing. <laughs> and so um, we we go through all that and I was, luckily I was fine, but I still needed to know that. And because right. Virginia's Commonwealth, everyone gets a ticket in an accident, doesn't right. matter what.
0: Right.
2: So I'm like, okay, I need to, I had to get a lawyer. I had to go through this process and it's all been adjudicated and finished, but I needed to find what the answer was. Sure. And so I went to my electronics, that makes sense. I'm a digital yeah, forensic person. Right. I had electronics mm-hmm. in the car. IOT, was yeah. yeah, I was like, what's happening? I pretty religiously wear my Fitbit because yeah. it makes kind of a nerd feel like I'm exercising every day.
1: Okay, wait, hold up, hold up a second. You're making fun of me of having a dumb TV, <laughs> but I'm, you're wearing a Fitbit. Of course I'm wearing a
2: Fitbit, <laughs> absolutely. They're actually great little devices because it's a minimal amount of personal information yeah. I'm sharing, no, but right. a maximum amount of return.
1: I'm teasing you. I You know what, I used to have Fitbits and I, I went through about four of them
2: before. Oh, I, I see. I, I keep breaking them, so, yeah. <laughs> This is one that actually has liked my ginger soul. So I've, I've kept it. Okay. Uh, so as I was going through it, um, I processed my smartphone in it to get the information, and my Fitbit happened to be synced and going at that time. So right. it had the geolocation, but it also had my speed. Wow. Because again, I don't know my speed. I was right. unconscious when I went through the guardrail. So right. it said, You're going 70.1 miles per hour.
1: Okay.
2: I'm like, that's the exact speed I was going when I went through the guardrail. Wow. And then I was connected. My smartphone was also connected to um, an internal Alexa device that, that I had in my car. Right. And the first thing that happens when a car goes into impact is it turns off that Bluetooth signal. Sure,
1: sure. And That's,
2: so I know the moment of which I had impacted as yeah, well.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. I, and I've seen that now even with like reconstruction cases that we mm-hmm. work on. You know the accident reconstructions guys need to like have a company like yours to use to be able to to download and and, and get that information that you don't think like there's there's that bevy of information available. Yeah, uh, it's, it's amazing what you can.
2: I'm you able know. to recreate what was going on at that time, and yeah. I didn't touch the vehicle computer at all. I did it all through the accessory devices because they're having the same digital experience as the car is. Right. And so I'm able to kind of put that together and figure out what's going on in this investigation that would make sense. Because the first thing everyone asks in any vehicle accident is, were you on your phone? That's kind of like the default thing that gets asked. And I'm like, no, I have no idea what was happening. And uh, so it was like, here, my phone was disconnected. It actually can tell you in the phone if I was as a user interacting with the screen. And that's something I see in forensics. Sure. I do think uh, crash uh, reconstruction groups they need to start looking at that other side of the digital besides just the vehicle. Right,
1: and that was something that we were talking about earlier. You know, one of the reasons why a company like Paraben is important, you know, and that you don't realize how you can apply technology to your investigation. I think as the t- technology changes and things come out, there are things we can do that we don't even know that we can do. You know, mm-hmm. and I think uh, you know a, a good investigator we we'll always try and keep the area to the ground to try and figure out, you know, how do I apply this uh, technology and, and how can I use it to, to answer the questions, you know? Yeah, and it just gives you credibility too when you're
2: going to does. testify, you know? Well, and you think about all of the times that you interact every day with technology i mean we're sitting here we're talking into microphones and things like that no They've, we're not
1: no we're just having conversations there's no <laughs> microphones here you're killing the illusion stop oh it. sorry sorry
2: there's <laughs> illusion but you think of just how much you interact with it every yeah. time you key card into a hotel room that's still a digital portion of your fingerprint and it knows right. that i saw someone this morning as walking through the hallways at osmosis and they logged into their um, hotel room using their smartphone instead okay. of using the card provided by the front desk. And I'm yeah. like, well, there's a merit Rewards member right there. Because right. that's how they're doing it. They're not doing it through the other way. These are things that you see that you go, okay, that's another part of my investigation. And I think PIs in particular, it's that world has evolved out that the skill set is I need to add digital in. It's not just sprinkles anymore. It's now becoming part of that main dish.
1: Right. And I think what's cool, one of the things you guys do is you do labs, right? You do training. Mm-hmm. And not only will you actually, you know, do the work if somebody wants to contract you to do it, but you you take it a step further and you actually train people how to do the work if they want to do it on their own. So talk talk to me a little bit about that.
2: So part of the goal in that is I think that the best way for everyone is obviously for, um, I've been a small business owner for 20 years. So one of the things you have to look at is say, how can my business benefit from adding a new service in? And it's the same way I look at it as, as someone who's running a PI firm should. And it's like, this is one more skill I can offer to my client that I can then have have them pay me for knowing this unique skill because it's not like everyone off the street like a guy down at Best Buy can process your digital evidence for you it's not gonna happen if it does it's going to go very badly yeah,
0: but,
2: <laughs> yeah stay um, away from Best Buy yeah, that's, no that's not a good doing. choice <laughs> not a good choice but even if you're doing data recovery data recovery is part of the digital forensic process and right. that's an additional service you right. just don't have to call it digital forensics but it's part of the process you go through yeah. And it's all new things.
1: Yeah, And I think one of the things that's important is, you know, we have our our own idea of, of what due diligence is, you know, and how much is enough. Mm-hmm. And, you know, our idea of how much enough might not be Paraben's idea of what's enough. Right. You know? um, and I think it's important to consider that, you know, when you're making that decision, like, do I try and do this to myself or do I hand it off to an expert? So I'm always of the inkling that I'm pretty good about what I do, but I also know when to tap out and... and um, reach out to somebody who's an expertise. And yeah, I'm not gonna make as much money on it, but at the end of the day, I'd rather have a happy client that gets the result they're looking for and everybody wins in that situation. Right,
2: because at the end of the day, a lot of it is referral work. And yeah. I always tell people, I say, you can process the digital evidence, work with your client, continue your investigation. And then if you get to the point you say, hey, we need expert testimony done on this, then hire that super nerd, okay? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Go out and thing. get that part of it yeah. done, but maybe still be able to do that groundwork yourself. And I think it ends up benefiting you more.
1: Yeah, laying the foundation for credibility. I mean, that's half the battle right there.
2: Mm, absolutely. You
1: know? and. Um, Yeah, this is engaging, interesting stuff too. So it's like you're talking to a jury and they're like, wow, you know, either you're gonna scare the heck out of them and they're like, I'm throwing Alexa away when I get home. Yeah,
2: they're like, I'm thinking twice about asking her for directions, you know. (laughs) You never know.
1: But so, so what's your thought on like when you're having a discussion about like sofas at Ikea and then all of a sudden, you know, ads start popping up on uh, on your phone about Ikea. Do you, have, do you have an opinion about that?
0: You
2: know, so I can, I absolutely know because um, my phone is in the room with us now. I know it's listening. And it's mm-hmm. if you drop a couple keywords and I use the example, um, I, I have two Siberian Huskies. I love dogs. I've always been a dog person since I had them. I was like, this is amazing. Um, and my kids it, it feel like they're getting slighted just a little bit. Because the dogs are pretty awesome. We want them. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I had talked about one of them because she's a special needs dog. And I talked about her being on the spectrum because right. she acts like someone on the spectrum, uh, being more educated in that area. And I was like, huh, I wonder if that's possible. And the next thing I know, I get an advertisement for a shirt that says Husky Mom Autistic Husky. And I was like, how did that get put together? That That's is the random. most, no, that is not a random, it just came in my feed because I have Huskies. It right. got very, very specific, sure. but it actually inspired me. And this is one of the things you have to think of when you deal with technology is you never know when you're gonna get that moment of inspiration. This is, hey, I'm gonna do more research into this topic. Right. I was even thinking about, oh, if I submit to osmosis next year, what will my topic be on topic B? And I was talking to someone last night. Um, my son is an EA gamer. Mm-hmm. Which is an entire community, totally and fine. it is a social network in a lot of ways. I said, "Why isn't anyone sharing the information that's gathered off of um, internet gaming?"
1: You know, it's crazy. I um, before I got married, mm-hmm. um, I used to do a lot of. You
2: internet. probably did a lot of gaming. I huh? did, yeah. <laughs>
1: you know, I met my wife, and like two or three weeks later, I'm like, "I think I'm done with this whole you know internet mm-hmm. community on gaming." But I played a game back in 2001. Um, I started. And there were, you know, guys that would meet up online with Mm -hmm. their headphones and we would go out on little quests and do things. For hours. Hours.
2: Hours and hours. Yeah, yeah, I'm embarrassed by that. No
1: dumb TV, no, we I do to, a lot of uh, yeah. like gaming. And you're doing gaming.
2: No, I, I I used to play LAN parties, you know, we'd all mm. bring our PCs in, we'd network them together and then yeah. we'd end up playing Quake, which tells you how long it's been since okay. I yeah. 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 I played Duke Nukem in Quake. We'll edit it out, don't worry. Yeah, <laughs> like no one will know the shame. No, as, as games have improved, I actually can't play anymore because yeah. they make me so motion sick.
1: It's crazy, right? Yeah, yeah. they're
2: so good. But it is a full community mm-hmm. and there's a lot of transactions being done in right. that side of the community. And so I think you might see a gaming uh, networks talk and lab coming out of me in the near future.
1: That's pretty cool. You're going to create operatives within certain worlds. <laughs> there like you go. Watching you everybody. never know. Uh, that sounds like a very interesting science fiction. Novel. Now you're like, I might start gaming again
2: <laughs> in a different way.
1: I have four children. I can't <laughs> no,
2: <it's> <laughs> They're <true>. gaming then.
1: <laughs> exactly. Someone's gaming. Somebody's gaming, right? Mm-hmm. That's very, very interesting. So let's talk a little bit about like how you're uh, how the clients that come to you uh, with these particular jobs, like how would they sell this service to their clients? How how would they get the authorization to spend the money um, to do this?
2: So I think when uh, a PI comes in, they say, OK, I want to offer this service. They have to think, where are the nuggets coming from? What's the pieces that they might be missing in their puzzle? Many times it leads to a smartphone. So the easiest thing to do is um, flat fr- processing fees for smartphones. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when you do those on an hourly, it doesn't work out as well. That way your client knows upfront it's going to cost X amount of dollars. So we do wholesale prices for most of our investigations associated with different firms to make it easier for them. So then the investigator can go in and maybe do the deeper dive in the data okay. after we capture it for them.
1: Right. So there's, you're creating a pathway for them to actually
2: make make money. money, Right. That's good. That's a good I'm very, I totally understand the small business model that says we as a community have to work together um, because otherwise it's too hard for one small business to really excel and like be that superstar as a
1: group. It it is one of the biggest challenges because you're predicated on on however much money um, that either your client wants to spend or however much budget you have and you have to make decisions on doing this. I know, like we were talking earlier on this, then in my space, not the website, uh, my business, I service attorneys. So having the um, ability for them to invest in their resources in, in doing my investigative work, it's almost like you have a fiduciary duty to do it, right? If you're not spending the correct amount of money to work your case up, you know, you might not get as much money for your client. And ethically, I think you're required to at least Make that investment. Take a look, you know, and that's that's my marketing pitch to them, and it usually works. At that point, I guilt them into you know you're not doing enough. (laughs) Guilt
2: always works. I know this from my mother. (laughs) Yeah, it absolutely (laughs) works. But I think the other side of it that people need to understand is just because they might think it's on a smartphone, it doesn't guarantee it's going to be on the digital evidence. What's there is there. Right. And some people I know have been disappointed. They're like, but it should be there. It's like, you can't expect data from 10 years ago to still exist on this device when it's not the same device they even had 10 years ago. And so there's always that level of expectation. I think it's easier to sell a service to a client when you give them an even level of expectation. And we provide a lot of PIs. We kind of give them charts that say, hey... Give them the expectation that you know you're going to be able to get a minimum of X every okay. time.
1: That's a good thing to do because you are it's not necessarily setting up for failure, but you're you are tempering expectations, right? You are.
2: Because yeah. digital evidence is, it gets a little sketchy at certain points because it does change. It's gone through a life cycle and in right. a lot of ways. And everyone laughs at me because it's the nerd side. Digital evidence is alive. Mm-hmm. And because of it is this changing creature and being in a lot of ways, especially smartphones. So you never know what you're going to get. Right. In that aspect, I find it very exciting. But on the other side of it, you've got to make sure your client is prepared for what they're going to get.
1: Do you get nervous when updates come out
2: oh oh my goodness so everyone always jokes about like pumpkin spice season and it's september and october and for me it's like the biggest anxiety season because that's always when the new firmwares come out for smartphones
0: and i'm like i'm
2: like i'm ready what's going to happen because it's going to change things dramatically and it's going to change what we do with our technology it's going to change the expectations of the data and we have to do a ton of work so i always uh, yes, company colors orange, so obviously I love this season anyway, but we always have a release at Halloween because it matches right. that expectation Th- I know is going to change.
1: So being a business owner and, and 20 years in and doing your own thing, how much um, of your resources would you say you put towards research and development and trying to stay on top of like what's changing?
2: 95% of our resources are into research and development. So that's if that's you awesome. actually look at the Paraben org chart, mm-hmm. um, I'm like full of nerds. Like, I, I, have a couple, no. I have a couple okay. extroverted, like really friendly people. I'm sure most of you have probably met them. Right. But 95% of my staff is all into development or testing and research right. because it is so hard to stay on top of it. It's yeah. why you want to work with a company that this is their lifestyle choice. And, and
1: that's, that's true. I've been doing this for a while too, about 24 years. Mm-hmm. And I've had my fair share of tech people come in and say, Hey, we're doing this, you know, use our services. And there were, you know, they look for the upfront investment, you know, give us $6,000, $7,000, blah, blah, blah. I always ask them that question, how much are you investing in research and development? Because if you're not trying to stay ahead of the curve, I don't want to do business with you. Yeah, it's really yeah. not a good choice. Yeah, especially in this field because it is constantly, constantly changing.
2: You, you have to make sure they're committed to it because right. you're going to rely on them for the next however many years you decide to offer this service. So right. having someone with the staying power in the research is very important. You don't always have to be the biggest company. Sometimes you just have to be the smartest one.
1: Right. So what are some of your concerns, I guess, with this whole data privacy thing that's that's going on? Like, how do you see the, it going in the future? Like, what's the... the the next year or two look like for paraben and how they're gonna handle
2: So it's interesting. Data privacy doesn't bother me at all. I don't get any anxiety or stress over that no. because the nice the other side of privacy is in order for them to protect it and make that data private, they have to be able to produce it.
1: Okay. And Um, And you don't
2: think of that side of it. So if they can produce it, then it can be produced for you in an investigation as well.
1: (laughs) Big smile. Yeah, it
2: means they've gathered it all together, they've organized it. Because before with the privacy, the problem is they'd be like, well, we don't really know how to get that data for you, even if you requested it. But because they're now being regulated to be forced to do it. They know how to capture it.
1: Some change is good for you, right? Change
2: is a positive there. I'm more concerned over the fact that um, technology companies in general do not find, and I'm going to call it the investigative space as a whole, as a positive. Which is interesting because it's part of our legal process globally to have investigators. And it's usually to bring positive outlooks. Right. Right. It's to bring truth. It's well, my finding out school. why things
1: happened. I mean, that's kind of what we do. I think we all, anyone that's in this business, we have that burning desire to answer the question. How, oh, did, yeah. how did this happen?
2: When I was a, a kid growing up, uh, they asked me what I wanted to be when I was older, and I always wanted to be either president, which that's a hard no now, you know, just so you know. you sure about that? Yeah, <laughs> total hard no. Um, and I always said Wonder Woman. Right. And I said Wonder Woman because she's fighting for justice. Right. And that's really what an investigator is. It's not that everybody wants to do Wonder Woman, right. um, but it's the fact that we're fighting for a justice in one way or another. If there's two sides, it's still information.
1: You see, I thought it was your your techie background that you wanted to create that lasso. You know, the true lasso. That's <laughs> the
2: real reason. A, I that. have a joke <laughs> that I have this whole like hard drive and smartphone wrapped in that Wonder Woman lasso. It's just, I don't have a lot of cause to wear the costume out in public. <laughs> it's awkward at a conference. Well, so. maybe,
1: maybe if you come to San Diego, the weather's <laughs> good next year.
2: Yeah, there's a better <laughs> choice. I'll ask Cynthia. I'll be like, hey, can I present in my Wonder Woman outfit? Yeah, at least
1: the tiara, you gotta give us
2: something. <laughs> i <laughs> a plan she would look at me like that's
1: crazy <laughs> let's do it <laughs> that's so cool let's talk a little bit about investigators why should they use your service yeah you know, we covered a couple points already but but really let's let's try to hit that home like why is it so important to do that due diligence on the cell phone side what type of information can you can you glean from from doing this from
2: i the think research? the most so the most important information you get off a sm- uh, smartphone in general is mm-hmm. their apps And a lot of people are like, oh, I can't always see this information. A lot of that is all about your techniques on how you're actually capturing the data. But 90% of your time you spend on your smartphone is spent in an app. And so being able to glean that information, not directly from what the user or your suspect or client is saying to you, but out of the raw data, Um, digital data never lies. It's a one or it's a zero. There's no in between. It's very hard line. So I kind of like it for that aspect of it. And I think when you pick a firm to work with, whether you work with my firm or you work with another firm, you need to know who they are and what their standards are that they do their processing with. Because I've seen a lot of PIs, unfortunately, taken advantage of with people who are not doing a good job. And it really makes me sad because I think it's kind of against our code of conduct.
1: Yeah, I I agree with you. And there's always, you know, going back to uh, talking about vendors in this industry and being around for a while. You know, somebody always, they, they come in, they promise you they, they can do something. And some of them can for a time until, you know, Facebook turns their API off and, yeah. you know, or the graphs like, goes away. And <laughs> it's like, okay, you know, come back to me when you, you figure it out and let's, let's talk. But I've seen some really good products over the years that, you know, died. No. You know, and it's just unfortunate, but that's the nature of the business. You know, it right? is. It's, it's
2: very up and down. But you need right. to make sure that the company you're dealing with is transparent about what their practices are. So, True. True. you know, what's my validation procedure? Mm-hmm. What am I going to give you as part of your investigation every time? Right. You know, they, they have a standard. Uh, because when they just say, "Oh, I'll do forensics for you," that's really broad. It's very broad. Yeah. So let's let's get it down. You're going to yeah. provide me X, Y, and Z. I know I'm going to get this for you. And then if I don't get Z, I'm going to be able to do this instead because that's why they should have a right. reason behind everything they say no to. Right. You should have a why. Exactly. It's like kind of like dealing with your kids. That's pretty They're awesome. Like, why Not, are you I, saying I, no? There's a reason.
1: Because I said so. It isn't an answer. it <laughs> yeah, doesn't work.
2: Yeah. Why I've didn't tried. you do your homework? It's like. I didn't feel like it. Really? <laughs> That's the answer? Yeah.
1: yeah. So. I've tried with my kids because I said so and they're like,
2: yeah, no, no. <laughs> no. There's a lot more reason behind that. Right,
1: right. Do you um, testify at all or, or you ever get called in?
2: Um, we do. We have a couple of us that can go out and give expert testimony. Uh, it's just not something that actually happens often with digital yeah. evidence, believe it or not.
1: I got to tell you, I, I was having a conversation with one of the, uh, the other folks I was interviewing recently and I asked him the same question. Do you mm-hmm. testify? And he's like, well, no, I, I haven't gotten called in to do mm-hmm. it. I'm like, dude, that's a good thing. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> it means, just it. It means it's, your work stands for itself. That's yeah. what it
2: is. It's like it was kind of all there. Yeah. So you don't typically have to do it's. It's not a question. Yeah. It's not like the biological forensics, which I could never have done that just because I'm a very tidy person. Right. But it's it's a lot more doubt. Uh, Digital doesn't have any doubt. It's like, well, I'm looking at the text message. It came from your device. Ones and zeros,
1: right? (laughs) Yeah, it's like there's not a lot
2: of other choices. So there Uh, you go.
1: That's very cool. Yeah, I I always uh, say like if if you're, you know, if you're doing something right, if your work stands for itself, they're not going to call you in for a deposition okay. or they're not yeah. going to bring in the court. And if they do, it's just because somebody's got billable hours that they need to burn through. <laughs> <laughs> you're know? like,
2: yeah, there's some extra padding they have to do. That might be it. But yeah, no, honestly, um, in my career, I've never given testimony. Wow. I've never had to. Wow. Yeah. That's,
1: uh, that's a good thing, actually.
2: Yeah. So it's 30 years, so I was like, okay.
1: So there's going to be a subpoena waiting for you when you
2: get home? <laughs> <laughs> some work that I have to go back and do. like, eh.
1: As soon as this comes out, you're, you're going to get subpoenaed. <laughs>
2: I'm like nope, all's good. I I feel really good, about it. and that's the nice thing. We do. Yeah. Uh, I I've done a lot of pro bono cases as well through the years for families, and it, it's nice to know that every day I'm doing something good. Right. So. Right.
1: That's, that's a good thing. So you work nationally, right? Mm-hmm. Internationally, Absolutely. too,
2: or, or no? Um, international, we provide technology more for it because they have different rules on how they can process their evidence. Right, well. right.
1: And that's totally changing. You like just each yeah, country. no
2: borders. Like, yeah. yeah, you're not going to leave.
1: Right, yeah, right. So that's, that's definitely a challenge for us, too. Tell me a little bit about Paraben and how you got the name for Paraben
2: so everyone always loves to me. so gotta, yeah. yeah so you're back in this, 1999 everyone was kind of web squatting on domains so right. trying to find a unique name that right. wasn't like huge and terribly long that no one's going to type in their browser mm-hmm. was difficult so I was taking a shower and I was reading the back of the shampoo bottle bouncing around with my ADD and going oh okay polypropyl paraben right. and it was right there in the shampoo bottle and I'm like paraben paraben that sounds kind of cool I could right. make that into something so I I got a registered trademark for it. I got the domain name and now I own Paraben.
1: I'm surprised it wasn't taken.
2: Yeah, yeah, I guess there's not a lot of chemists out there. And then the bad thing is all those things that came out that says, Paraben, Paraben, doesn't that cause cancer? I said, no, not my Paraben.
1: <laughs> no. My Paraben
2: is perfectly fine. Oops. I don't know about the other Paraben. That was many years after my Paraben in existed. It's time for a
1: rebrand. I know.
2: <laughs> I'm like, mm. I'm like, no, but I kind of own it. It's, yeah, it's, cool. it's. Um. In uh, Portuguese, someone told me it means celebration. Hey. And I said, but there you know. go. I mean, celebration of evidence has nothing to do with that chemical thing, <laughs> <Here it is. laughs> so there we in go.
1: Here it says in Portuguese. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, so I wanna cover the um, the training that you do um, mm-hmm. out in Utah uh, every year. Tell me a little bit of what that looks like.
2: So every year we run a conference, it's called PFIC, and we focus on innovative topics. So we're really trying to do innovation. That's what the I And, and it's, for.
1: it's not PFIC, folks.
2: No, no, no. it's P-F-I-C. Okay. <laughs> so we run it in September. We run it up in Park City, Utah. I'm from Utah originally, so I like to take people back to the mountains. Um, it's a lovely venue. Uh, but the nice thing we do is we kind of do it where we have a rotating class so that you get to see 100% of the content there because it gets the hardest part about going to a conference. I like that about osmosis as well. You yeah. see 100% because you don't want to choose. Right. So it's hard. Yeah, yeah it's, it's hard. way hard. So we do a pre-conference training. Mm-hmm. Um, last year, we did a post-conference build day where people built raspberry pies and uh, not the pies we eat.
1: For us non-nerds here, yeah. uh, what is a raspberry
2: pie? It's a little mm-hmm. teeny uh, circuit board. So it's a tiny computer that you can build to do different things. They built theirs up to be a sensor for the Internet of Things mm-hmm. so that they could pick up those objects that might exist in a seizure that they were doing. So it's a beneficial thing for investigators because there's a lot of stuff hiding.
1: So it's like a bug sweep thing. A
2: little bit, but it's all for uh, digital data instead of traditional bugs. That is so cool. So it's kind of a cool thing.
1: Yeah, that is really cool. I uh, had a a bug sweep uh, investigator on recently. From Connecticut, and he was telling me like the technology and the things that they do now, and it's like it's scary. Oh yeah, yeah really, really. No, and this cool
2: this uh, was designed by Chet Hosmer, mm-hmm. um, who ran the build day, and uh, Mike, and they did a fantastic job. But it was kind of cool because I was that kid that took apart my mom's toaster. Yeah. So, it was neat to see us kind of get our hands dirty in technology again. Right. By accident. I mean, it's only a couple screws. So it's not crazy. A little right. epoxy. Right, right. Um, but, like, that moment when I got my mom's toaster to shoot toast six feet in the air, that yeah. was my first moment of, like, technology success.
1: That was your paraben, right? Yeah, that
2: was. I was like, yeah, celebration. Because <laughs> our toast shot, like, way up there. Yeah. And it was a big deal. But it's everyone needs to have those little moments. Yeah. And the other side of it is I keep it small. So I keep it under 150 people on purpose. I'm okay. a natural introvert, okay. so I, I couldn't tell. <laughs> I can. There's really not that many of us here right now, so it makes it easy. But um, as a natural introvert, I don't do as well learning when there's a large quantity of people, and right. I don't think I get as much one-on-one time to actually talk to people. That's tough, yeah. Yeah, and so I think that's the big advantage: is you get a chance to actually meet and start a relationship.
1: Okay. So let's let's talk about the one-on-one. How do folks get a hold of you to do all this stuff?
2: Uh, there's, there's so many choices. I'm a big email person. So people email me. As you know, I always email back. Yeah. It might be a little delayed, but I always email Very back. Very good
1: on LinkedIn too, by the yes, way. Yes, I will pick up
2: on LinkedIn. Um, I'm also on Twitter. So I'm Ginger Wonder Mom. So I really was serious about that whole Wonder Woman thing. <laughs> you really are. That's amazing. <laughs> so that's my Twitter handle. Um, I do email all the time. So amber at com. Okay. Um, and then obviously any of my team can find me. I'm usually findable.
1: Good, good. And how often do you go around talking at different events?
2: Um, I try to get out there. I usually do between 30 to 40 events a year. So it's quite a few. I like to, despite what my normal job is, because yes, I still run the company and do all that stuff. Um, I just, I do work a lot. Um, I like to get out and still talk to people and uh, see what people are working on. Sure. Because otherwise, I'm just going to lose that touch and not design things the right way. It goes
1: right back to the ear to the ground that we were talking about at yeah. the beginning. So, all right, I think this is a good point to wrap things up. I Absolutely. want to thank you so much for uh, making the time to come in and talk. I'm excited to get this out. Again, give me one more time your information.
2: On Twitter, I'm Ginger Wonder Mom. Mm. Um, LinkedIn, just Amber Schroeder and then Amber at Paraben.com.
1: Okay, awesome. So, thanks for tuning in, guys. We're going to have a couple more guests here from Osmosis. Uh, We're in day one right now. It's been fantastic. And I appreciate everybody coming out and checking the podcast out. Please like, share, give a review. Whoever you know that would be interested in hearing what Amber does, feel free to, to pass along. So we'll talk to you guys soon. And thanks for checking in. Take care. Bye.
0: Thank you, Amber Schroeder. And thanks for checking out this episode. We hope you found Amber's perspective on the industry interesting. Be sure to visit paraben.com, P A R A B E N.com, to learn more about cell phone forensics, training workshops, and the Internet of Things. This episode has been brought to you by Satellite Investigations, New York's leading investigation firm since 2005. Learn more at satellitepi.com. Please rate this podcast five stars and give us a review at Apple Podcasts. Share it with a friend on social media. And tune in next week as we continue chatting with Robert Douglas, the co-CEO of ScopeNow.com. On behalf of Matt Spare, thank you for downloading and subscribing to PI Perspectives.